Well, Lita, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, I've been really looking forward to just talking to you and learning everything, like your personal journey and how you have been taken upon this new wave of like generative art. And honestly, uh, before we get a little started about introductions and everything, um, I thought it'd be a really cool way to kind of crack open because I know you said that you're very into comic books and cartoons and they're kind of your inspiration. And um, if you'd like to even use that as a kind of introduction of just speaking, you know, why that resonates with you, um, because I am also a huge comic book lover myself. So that's another reason why I was very excited today to talk to you. Um, but please give us a short introduction of who you are and welcome to the series of the making of an NFT museum. Um, and please just give us a little bit of introduction of who you are and uh, let the audience know. Uh, well, firstly, thank you so much for having me and also for that fascinating starter. I rarely get to talk about comics and I'm kind of, uh, I think I did an interview with yeah, I did an interview with Kevin Rose that somehow evolved or maybe devolved into just like, I think, um, yeah, talking about comics and like sounding a bit, um, uh, yeah, maybe deranged, but, you know, hopefully in a positive way. So, yes, I'm a generative artist. I'm based in Berlin. I've been working in generative art for over a decade now, and I got my start um uh, more like in-person jam sessions, live coding, uh, audiovisual festivals, installations. And as far as my love for comics, I mean, it was, um, you know, I, just I think I think comics are, are very powerful in that, you know, they, they can convey these like very um, these these powerful narratives in ways that like are really accessible and so that just has always fired up my imagination since I was a kid. And there is actually kind of a strange connection between comics and coding for me. But yeah, I, maybe I should um, save that for later. But yeah, no, happy to be here. And thank you again for having me. I would definitely love to pick your brain on that a little bit later because uh, I kind of have kind of a familiar background the same way where I, I self-taught myself how to code um and so i really just found like a lot of resonation of just like where you kind of made that connection of your finding of art and and comics and everything and uh just kind of using it as motivation i'm kind of curious um before we dive into like is there anybody a specific you know comic book artist that has helped you um, or inspired you when you were younger to kind of have those because a lot of comic book stories they they're so great because they really paint out and I know you've said it like you've described it the same way where it's very complex in a very meaningful way um, where it's just just art but it's more than just art it's more than just comics especially for superheroes it's a whole storyline that falls underneath it and like for myself I have uh, like Stan Lee that I've always taken his quotes and his personal journey of how, you know, he was always getting rejected and, and the idea of comics or, you know, Spider-Man and stuff like that. And I resonate a lot with that where in the NFT world, especially in generative art, where things may not, not always be as transparent or as easy flowing for the new people um, in the space. And so I kind of wonder, like, is there anybody that an author um, from your favorite comic or that you resonated growing up 
that has really paved the way of how you like to set yourself up of like you believing in yourself and you're going for taking these leaps to say? Uh, well, firstly, I'm a huge fan of Stanley. So I really appreciate you bringing up and the universe that he created, um, particularly the, the X-Men and um, I mean, it was it was so many like I just I, I like any comics I could get my hands on, like a lot of vintage comics as well. Um, just like, you know, these really kind of like otherworldly outlandish storylines that I just found like so much fun and so inspiring. And a lot of times I, I unfortunately don't remember a lot of the creators by name. But as I, you know, grew up and grew older, I mean, there's um, my uh, favorite sci-fi um writer in the world who because i'm also really into science fiction and um you know like you know nk jameson and she uh wrote far sector is something that i really love and then also saga uh paper girls um you know just just too many to name really um and then like graphic novels like uh, majan satrapi and of course mobius yeah um neil gaiman <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, uh, wow, this is, this is fun. Thank you for asking. Of course. Yeah. I, I know <laughs> comic book lovers are very rare to find and I am one that just loves to talk about them too. People come to me when they want to know a little bit of backstory. So I generally, I know you're, you mentioned before in your past, um, interviews that you, you like, you know, super mutant magic Academy and I love them too. So just like the oh whole world. God, <laughs> yeah I was like I have to dive in because I know that it can be tough for us out there so I want to show you that you know I, I recognize that <laughs> amazing no I mean I think comics are like one of the highest art forms I yeah, I'm not gonna spoil it but yeah um I actually have a surprise coming out I mean you know I feel like every art like artist um or at least a lot of artists that I I really gravitate towards to like have like secret bodies of work hidden in a way and so yeah i've been actually working on a comic for some time now so eventually it will see the light of day yeah definitely do you do you and i can't wait for that to happen either um, so i'll definitely be tuning in for that but do you have any um like has that because especially like with with those kind of comics they're very colorful and i know your your pieces of art are very colorful as well as well like do you take any of that palette um or do you really just let like the algorithm just do what it needs to do and and convey the the colors at random well it's funny because the, um you know i think when i was like about um several years ago like just starting out more in generative art like people often ask me like do you ever work with color and it was mostly due to i think um being in in places like berlin and and other places in germany where Colors where it's much more of a brutalist uh, landscape and working with projection mapping where like, you know, just black and white yields the highest contrast. And so I kind of it's 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 interesting to me that you that you say that I, I work with because I do. Absolutely. But that was um, definitely not the case um, for like kind of sort of like my early formative start in generative art, I guess. So, um, to, but to answer your question, I, you know, I think a lot of my color inspiration comes from, yeah, there's, there's definitely, I think there's, I mean, comics are so formative, you know, such a formative influence. I mean, there, there has to be some residual, uh, influence there. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking now like the, um, Windsor McKay was like very, very influential, 
but um, yeah, it's um, I think that kind of gets into questions of chance and and with, like algorithmic collaboration. So yeah, it's um, it's a lot of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I didn't know that that um, that in the beginning you started off with just black and white, and that's very interesting. Did you did you? make that adjustment because you were receiving feedback of like that, that you, if you ever make anything in color or did you just kind of want to diversify? Uh, I mean, it, it, it's sort of because my work is like very site specific, especially when you're creating installations, like you're taking into account the space. And so like, for example, like the um, uh, generative installation that I did at Crofter Berlin, where like incorporating the architecture and techno and movement and uh, like, you know, a black and white palette just makes sense for that environment. But, uh, you know, I'm, I think it depends on I, like, for me, like, the, what's most exciting about generative art is the possibilities of like the, the sheer range, you know, and the infinities of it. So, you know, it's just always like, I'm always, I'm very restless. So I always try to like, explore and push the medium and just um, try as many different things as I can. And color is something that I really, because I actually, um, uh, I did, I did have some formal arts education. And, and there was definitely like this idea that I think persists to the day that like color is something decorative, and like anything decorative is something that you want to kind of shy away from. And it's really, really, uh, like, as I'm, because I'm always like trying to, to learn more and kind of like, you know, the formal, the formal education is great. Um, but there's also a lot of it that's like very culturally specific. And so, you know, learning more about different cultures and expanding my sources of inspiration, it's you really begin to see how color is, is so is, is there's so much um, richness and, and possibility and power and how it can like um, completely change a work of art and, and really truly affect people on like physical levels, um, you know, and the science behind it, it's just all like wildly fascinating. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I know you talked a little bit about like just saying you take some from like religion and you take some from just like your philosophies. And when you practice uh, when it centers like around generative art and fluid dynamics and like experimental humanities with like you talking about everything that you just spoke about can you kind of paint us a picture of how you take all those ideas how you take all those inspirations and kind of work them into a progressive like creative process to your work uh sure i mean i would i would say like maybe religion wouldn't be the the term that i would use i think i think generative art is because my approach to it is very process based and so it's a it's a state of being and because i create and share uh, work every single day that yeah i mean i i i have to have have many sources of inspiration and um you know for, for me it's 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 um I, I think like what's exciting is how generative art can connect all these like seemingly separate mediums and elements. And so these spaces in between these these um you know kind of sources of inspiration that may seem like completely divergent of one another is uh when you when you really start to kind of um because again, like I, I started off in generative art, I guess in a strange way where it was 
not really like I'm not formally trained as a programmer, but you were, you know, you're, you're kind of like going to this, um, you're invited to this festival, like out in like the forest or this, um, this um, uh, town in, in, in Eastern Europe or West Asia, where it has like a really, not so much money, but like a really strong arts community with some really incredible um, old architecture and just using what you have at that space to create something that is, uh, you know, a kind of engaging and compelling and and respectful and of the space, but also like really exciting for people. And um, yeah, I, I think I think it's just something that I don't know. Maybe I just think too much or something. But it's it's it it, it I think it, it it enriches the um you know the life of the artist, the creator, and, and hopefully the life of the participants, and just kind of helps expand people's. Um, notions and possibilities of what uh, art can be. No, for sure. And I mean, some people call it, you know, too much time, but other people, we resonate it with the passion and you're just very passionate about it. So, and it, and it shows like every piece of work that you do is just incredible. And I see all of that. And so, so I, don't, I don't know about that, actually. I mean, I think it's really important to actually share one's failures. I mean, I look back on some of my work and I just really cringe, but thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> Do you think it's important uh, for creators in that aspect, like to go ahead and reflect and have those kind of moments and be like, ah, that may have not been the best work or how do you view that? I think it's important because, you know, I think perfection is something that's really, really toxic that just like kind of like makes creative creativity curl up and wither and die and is actually kind of rooted in a lot of violence. And so like this, this process, the sort of daily process of art making is sort of a way of resisting that. And I think, um, you know, sharing one's failures, I think, I mean, you, you learn more from failures, right? So sharing them yeah. is like very important. And I, and I always, and like, and ultimately like making mistakes is something that I'm really excited about because like, that's like the glitches and the mistakes and the imperfections, like that always leads me at least to like a really new, exciting direction. That's, uh, you know, I guess even in formal terms could be described as something more, um, developed or, or, or artistically advanced compared to what I was doing before. So, yeah. Would you say that generative art encoding is a good mixture to kind of explore and really embrace all those mistakes? Because obviously when you start to code, um, there's a lot of errors and there's a lot of like, you know, syntax errors that you come about because you're getting new to the space and it could be a little bit daunting. Do you think making generative art where, you know, the it's it's normal to be, like you said, like every, everything's supposed to be imperfect. That's the whole kind of design and mess with it. Would you say it was kind of like an easy bridge or for newcomers that want to go ahead and like that want to go ahead and dive into this new area, yet they're a little bit afraid of failure or have like that imposter syndrome? Do you think that's a good bridge for them? I mean, like. I always tell people to, yeah, uh, just throw things at the wall and make as many makes mistakes as possible and see what sticks. That's my approach. And I think that that is great for learning. I know that some code artists have a completely different approach and that's also valid. I, you know, I mean, I think code is a, you know, it's a medium, it's a tool and it, and it depends on, on what the creator does with it. And some people are very focused on, you know, I think the efficiency of code, there's also a certain kind of like cold, you know, sort of uh, appeal and like, like 
sort of icy perfection in that, which I can like, you know, definitely appreciate. And so you have people who are, you know, um, oh, I made this really complicated project with like two kilobytes of code instead of cling. And that's, that's really cool. Like, I think that's the necessary element, but I think there's also, you know, like more like the, the messy kind of um, process-based, um, process-focused uh, art making is, is also something that I think is like actually, um, very integral to the collective and individual um, health of the space. Yeah. So would you say that you like to really shoot for more of a, I guess in your algorithms, you kind of have a, a picture of where you kind of want to take it to, or do you like the idea of just being surprised by your code? Yeah, I mean, everything and every, I, anything. I, I, I don't ever try to like sort of force the the code into sort of preconceived notion. And I never, like, I personally never try to like, you know, have it imitate um, traditional materials. I know some artists do that. And, you know, I think their work is completely beautiful, but I'm more interested in um, the sort of like, like guiding the material and the material in this case being code, the maybe a strange way to describe something so intangible. So it's kind of like, and I've heard other artists talk about this as well, that I really respect where you're almost like a choreographer in a way. And then going back to like your earlier, like the question of like, you know, the, the value of making mistakes, there's that anecdote of, um, you know, these uh, two teachers, these two art teachers, right. And one teacher had a assignment where the students had to make, they were, they were making ceramics and the students had to make the most perfect pot you know, just one perfect pot and whatever they had to do to make that perfect pot, that's great. And then the other teacher's like, okay, it's not, you know, forget perfection, just make as many pots as possible. So it's not this binary as quantity over quality, but, you know, you know, as many people can probably guess, the teacher who really wanted the students to make as much work as possible, the students actually became um, much more developed as artists and more confident in their work. So, yeah. And that's a true yeah. story. Wow. Would you say that you feel like there's a little bit more, because I know and um, one of the things that I've been noticing, and I know perhaps you may have noticed too, is just like the constriction they've, ha they've had towards pieces of art. Um, and just like, I know you mentioned before in the past, like there was a, there was an art exhibit or art museum in, in Venice that was the Oling fans and stuff like that um, for the, the other oh, content. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, do you do you did you see like that same kind of constrictions towards like this kind of art? Uh, it may not be like in the same narrative, but do you still hear like what is what is what is the difference that you hear in like generative art? Uh, I mean, I think like as do do you mean like like censorship in generative art or yeah, like censorship, um, if there is any, um, or more even just like kind of reflections that you've heard in the past, because uh, I know just it it's just various it just changes from different times to time um so i just wanted to hear like how your journey has have you heard anything in, in that sort of sense i mean there's there's been a lot of funny stories where you know like fellow artists and myself like we will have our work censored by social media algorithms for no apparent discernible reason whatsoever other than the fact that they just have like really stupid algos that are like flagging you know art like just like very just the most inoffensive abstract artwork for no reason but then I think, I mean, it's sort of uh, I'm like, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of like moral panics, you know, and I think like, um, 
if you go back in art history, there's always like anytime there's like sort of like a major artistic breakthrough, there's a huge um, just people just kind of lose their minds. And it also is mirrored in technology as well. Like people thought that train travel was really bad for women and because it was going to make our wombs fly out the window or something. And, you know, so, I mean, you see the same thing and um, I really love this topic, so, but I, I don't want to like recite everything because it's going to take too long. But I think um, the moral panic about generative art, like not so much nowadays, like, you know, we're like, I feel very fortunate to be living in an age where like, you know, people, if I say I want to make art with computers, people aren't going to look at me like I'm crazy and try to have me like, you know, locked up in an asylum because that absolutely did happen back in the day, like, you know, just a few generations ago. So just shout out to the, you know, the original generative artists and their and their incredible courage and bravery. And but I think like, you know, just like, for example, the yeah, all the, the sort of like um, stigma surrounding NFTs and surrounding blockchain technology. I mean, that's like it's it's that's this. Yeah, grand tradition and um, yeah, the the fear that people have around both art and technology. Not yeah. that criticism isn't valid, but yes, I think we yeah. can critique yeah, something without sure. being terrified of it. I agree. Agreed. I think there's a world where we can all coercively work together and then just you know acknowledge it and keep working together. You know, hopefully. Um, yeah. And I mean, and that was, and that's hopefully that's the past, and hopefully there's a, a better future. Um, and I know you as like an intersectional futurist, how do you see the intersection of art and technology shaping the future um, of society and, and culture? I mean, I mean, art and technology have always been much more, you know, fused and much more, um, you know, interfacing than a lot of people would uh, frame that to be that that narrative. So, I mean, in the sense that as far as the future goes, um, well, I mean, I think that it's uh, in terms of the NFT space, it's it's a really um, pivotal time to kind of, uh, yeah, to for world building in a way. And like this, uh, the you know, it's exciting, the sort of imaginative power and like how like just building the future in real time while at the same time, like, you know, being being critical in a way that's, uh, you know, that's <laughs> it's just funny to, to me, I think that like you know some i think some people at times people forget that you can love something but also like criticize from time to time and uh you know i think people who like forget that like i wonder if they've participate like what kind of relationships they have but anyway um like it, this is a very big question as far as uh you know the future of art and technology but i i think um you know it's it, it, the the lines you know as blurry as they will were before will become even more permeable and less fixed so that's exciting for me as someone you know who like the work um like i'm very much drawn to things that are constantly in flux and so uh there's actually like a really fun artist manifesto that was written um back in the day i think the 1960s where uh you know like they were they were breaking with um these uh, long-standing centuries-old traditions that were beautiful, but also became very stifling. And so uh, they said in the future, like, there will be no art, there will only be light, color, and sound, or something radical like that. And that's not exactly true. But again, I think um, making bold statements like that, I'm, I'm excited to see, like, how what forms uh, the, yeah, integrations of art and technology take take the take shape and then there are some really um exciting works i think being made now where like the blockchain technology itself is the medium 
Yeah, definitely. And I know what you mean, like, especially just seeing the technical side of just technology and like recognizing that it's potential, but then also, like you said, recognizing the, the downfalls that it can also have. And I think it's very important that we do have it because it'd be ignorant for us to just ignore it and then continue to let these problems evolve when we could have stopped it or acknowledged it. Um, so that's very, I love that you said that because I think that's very important for people to hear because you can love something, you can be passionate while also noticing the stuff that it's potential and how you can steer and guide yourself to not do those things. Um, and so I love that you said that. And I wanted to like, just pick your brain a little bit because it, it is a, a vast and hard subject, especially like talking about technology and, and hearing that, especially in this art. Um, and I know there's there's something that you said before in the past where it resonated at a quote, I, I believe, where it was like, technology is perceived in this, in this cold way um that can be inhuman but it can actually be like the best manifestation of like humanity and uh and it's poetic and i kind of want to hear and pick your brain of just like how we can change and take that narrative away or like revamp the narrative for like technology is bad and everything or how can the optimistic people of it um bring some optimistic to that subject uh, well, firstly, I, I cannot take credit for that quote. Like, I think you're referencing the time when I referenced uh, Vera Molnar, who um, said that. I believe so. Yeah, I couldn't remember the name. So thank you. Yes, for, thank you yeah. for saying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can. Um, yeah. So so I mean, like, and, and, and it also goes back to your earlier question. I just realized I forgot to mention something like one of the most exciting ways in which um, art and technology can, um, you know, merge and collaborate and transform is where people like the the viewers who were like formerly like very separate from the work can become part of the work and can participate in its co-creation and you know I'll, I'll, much of my work is interactive i love interactivity not just for the technical wizardry but for the connections that it can form between people between the artists between the audience between collectors etc and we're seeing more and more in that in generative art projects and it's uh you know, it's really, it's really, and I have some projects coming up where, you know, as like, there are more like in-person um, gatherings in this space where, you know, I'm hoping that people can really, you know, expand their, their um, notions of like art and connection because it's, it's just, um, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's everything. You can't really separate, especially if you're, if you're, you know, um, making generative art, you, like separating the art and technology at a certain point and the science becomes impossible at least at least for me in my point of view and uh like so so i you know hopefully we're gonna see like a lot more um art that uh you know is 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 holy uh you know can make can be made only in the medium that it's presented in like that like that's really exciting like that's something that uh like i'm really um had some re great um conversations with other generative artists about like the possibilities sorry for all these text notifications um for making for creating art with this uh, in ways that like weren't possible to artists before who were dreaming of technology who were dreaming of like moving interactive canvases but they didn't have access to that and so we're like kind of creating whole new visual vocabularies new symbols new vernaculars and yeah, so it's um, it's and 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 that and then of course like delves very deep into the humanities and to experimental humanities, which, um, you know, like you mentioned, and so it's uh, it's everything. 
I, yeah, definitely. Hi, I'm actually going to hop in here as well. Um, I've, I've been on listening and really enjoying the conversation so far. Uh, I myself am joined here with Jonathan from the Seattle NFT Museum. And we're so excited to have you on our tour spaces today, especially because we are showing a couple pieces from you in our current exhibition, Gen XX, which really highlights uh, female artists specifically focus on uh, generative art. So su super excited uh, to hear just more of your point of view, which is exactly what we wanted with this Twitter space series. I think it's really the behind the scenes of what goes on at an NFT museum, especially getting to more intimately know artists that we have on show. And I just want to do a call out uh, before we have to end in 15 minutes to everyone that's joined us as well. We want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to raise hands and ask questions for Alita as well. We have so many more questions. I know Jonathan already has a full list of questions as well. But I know that one thing we always hear with people that come by the museum is just uh, so much value that they get from being able to interact and engage with artists one-on-one because there's still a lot of mystery around NFT art and kind of how people get into this space. And I think we've learned so much from you so far, but just wanted to jump in real fast and let everyone know that if you do have questions, start thinking about them. We'll probably open it up to audience questions after Jonathan's uh, next, questions for, next question for Alita. Perfect. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Um, and yes, please go ahead. You guys can drop uh, drop questions in our Discord if you guys like to, or if you guys want to go ahead and drop it in the messages here, whichever is most convenient for you. Um, and we'll go ahead and get them answered uh, at our best of our can. And to go back to kind of like the conversation to Alita, to, the last you were saying was just like, you know, the future of technology and everything. And um, I know you talked about you know different spaces and installations. Um, can you kind of describe the experience just integrating generative art into large scales of installation? And has that helped you with your you know the eight hundred days that, or the your counting of days that you're making for the generative art? Uh, yes, absolutely. I mean, I I believe that uh, you know generative art and digital art is ultimately an embodied experience, and that. It's, uh, you know, the binary between um, the immaterial and the physical is uh, much more troubled than I, I think, like, uh, maybe uh, is commonly conceived. And, and the I think it's like the, one of the great big questions of our time that, the, you know, the, my favorite artists the one, are grappling with. And it's, um, you know, that, that the exciting troubled boundary between the digital and the physical and so, I mean, like, as far as, yeah, for, for um, especially in installation space, because they often work with dancers and performing artists and sound artists. And it's just, uh, you know, again, like the, the ways in which algorithmic art, whether that's, you know, more analog or whether that's code based, can connect different senses, different mediums, different artists, and can create this uh, sort of incredible collective flow state that involves not just creators, but for um, audience system, participants and collectors is something that I think we've only just barely scratched the surface of 
that's extremely promising in, you know, in every level. And so like, that's just something that I'm really focused a lot of my artistic practice and research on now, because I think it's, I, I think it's revolutionary in so many ways. And I think it's also really, uh, I think it's vital as well for, for people to be connected with one another, um, you know, as, as much as it is to be, as, as fun as it is to be terminally online, because I love being online, like that, um, you know, coming together, like in these um, various, um, you know, sp NFT space meetups, it's, uh, it's really this, where community gets tossed around a lot, but like the connections that are fostered and the ideas that that arise from that are something that uh, you know. Again, like the 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 ideas for the installations and the shows and the the connections and like again, like it's just it it it, on, it unlocks entire new worlds for what digital generative art um, you know technology can be. Also, my name is actually pronounced Elida. Sorry, I should have corrected it earlier. Alida, I apologize. <laughs> um, but I'm so, ha that's so amazing. Like just knowing like the new technology that's basically it's your canvas is, is expanding as you know it because you're just able to do so many different things and it's just growing um, in, in all like shapes and in every way. And it's so fascinating to just also learn about the new ways that art is being presented um, and just like how immersive it's becoming because I think that's such a fascinating way that we're going to that I think it's really going to not speak to people in a different language as well just like because and I feel like in a more sensible way because before people saw a piece of art and they resonated and it made them feel a certain way but now you can be kind of like immersed with that in like a whole setting too and I think that just really just it's just going to be so crazy. Um, and I just can't wait for, for that because it's just something that we haven't felt and it's going to be really, really eye-opening. So I can't wait to see that. And, um, you know, looking to the future, what are your goals for like your work, both in terms of like exper experimentation um, with new mediums and the impact that it, you hope to have on the broader art world? Well, it, I mean, I think it like, you know, just um, continues with what you were saying about, you know, the sort of uh, and what Vera Molnar also, you know, iconically stated about uh, extending and expanding like what is most profound in humanity. And um, as I'm sharing more of my audiovisual interactive experiments um, made by code, it's it really is. It's not so much on Twitter. I, you know, like full respect to Twitter, but I think as like interactive work and immersive work is um, presented in real life or in other platforms. Like I really like based on what the feedback um, and the research that I've gotten from those experiences, it's, I think a lot more people have some form of synesthesia than we realize, than we suspect. It's really exciting. And I, so I, and I've also done a lot of um, research on the brain and the um, cardio and like the, the heart and, and, you know, this, this, this notion that the two are, are, are very separate and it actually grew out of a personal experience. Like it's not a very good story. I just got a concussion. Right. So I was just like trying to learn a lot about the brain and brain healing and learning how it's like, it's much more networked than is, uh, you know, commonly presented and, and just how there's how very little like, or like how, or how much we still have to learn 
about that. And so like when you're when you're doing like shows, when you're doing, um, you know, and, and I think this is also something that, you know, comes out of like being an artist in Berlin as well. It's like if you've talked about this before, it's like when people start to um, when they go to like um, uh, like a you know, live music, when they experience live music, especially if it has like, you know, a sort of um, strong, you know, um, beat, like, like a lot of like tech, like the sort of like transcendental techno temples do here in, in Berlin. And like, it's like everyone's breath work starts to sink and like people become connected in ways that uh, like they're, they just, um, you know, there's no intent, there's no planning behind it, but it's, it's, a, it's an incredible, it's like a new, like, um, yeah, it's a new level of like human experience and like the ways that generative art can amplify that can may help us understand that is something that, uh, yeah, it's really that that's driving my practice in the future for sure. Yeah. I love that. Um, I definitely resonate a lot with that just because I, I feel like I'm very like musically in tuned and just visually like the senses are just amplified. And so I know like every, every music, everything, like I'm, I always love all types of music because it speaks to me differently. And uh, I've never been to Berlin and I'm not, I, I, I don't know. And I would love to just experience that kind of environment. Um, but I'm from Chicago. So I've done, I had like, that same kind of like, there's always music around, there's always people in the streets that so you just kind of have like that, that communal like flow, like you're saying, where everyone's just kind of in sync without a word being said. And it's just like the moment and feeling from it. So I can't wait for that to be transcribed into art. And so people can start feeling that and start, cause maybe, maybe that's the way to do it. Maybe that's the way to get people into really feeling and understanding what this is, is no words spoken at all and just feeling the senses. Um, so that's a very interesting like concept to even play around with because I love talking about the brain too. Like it's just uh, the most fascinating thing we've discovered. So uh, I, I love that you said that. And I'd also want to remind everybody that if you guys did have any questions, you guys can go ahead and request or drop it down. Um, I did want to take it over to to BB because I do see that he has or the person has requested to speak. So I would love to bring him up to the stage. Um, so let me go ahead and add as a speaker. And you should be able to speak now. Um, BB, are you able uh, to? I guess I'm having connection issue. Let me see. Can you hear me well? Yes, okay, I can amazing. hear you perfectly. Okay, amazing. Thank you for having me. Hi, Alida. Yeah, thank you so much for coming out. <laughs> thank you. Hi, Alida. It's great to hear from you Hi. and your art. And I want to definitely you. visit you when I come to Berlin. Uh, I have questions because, <laughs> uh, well, I've been thinking about uh, and researching about amygdala these days also. Uh, so that's why you're more fascinating now for me. <laughs> um, so it is the system that... the well located in the limbic system um and somehow it keeps everything there like without it you are nothing you are losing your memories and all those things so i'm wondering which part of the brain not only the um, electrics in our brain but also like do you have any specific part you are interested in but my real question is going to be about the um about your performances as i understand you had had experience about like doing uh, project mapping um, and others and also you work with the dancers and performers before but have you ever had um, experience with the live um, coding performances or live anything live with your um, own medium 
Yes. I mean, I, I, do, I actually do live coding in tandem with uh, performing artists, um, whether that's sound artists, musicians or dancers. And I did that for my solo show that was in tandem with my Artblocks curated release. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was really exciting. And, you know, the idea was to sort of uh, kind of uh, trouble hierarchies and to flatten hierarchies because I think in like art spaces at times like like contemporary art spaces like there's very much sort of a, a rank and I was very um, focused on sort of, kind of dismantling that or questioning that so that the connection between all of us um, you know was was really paramount and it wasn't just about oh look how like you know shiny this technology is and how it's like cool and interactive it was more just about like you know connecting all these different disciplines all these different artists in this way that and also like the audience participated as well with um, by generating their own sound um, so yeah it's, mm -hmm. it was a great great experience and I'm yeah looking forward to more well when I when I speak about performance I was it is the definition for me contemporary performances so not only with the performance dancers or singers also like with the performance artists you know within the context uh, from the um, history or sociology, whatever you can say, uh, more contemporary, let's say. So uh, I was, um, I was, as I was, well, wondering that. What do you think about the um, performance art in the immersive space without having physical um, placements or location? Uh, but um, I'm trying to talk about as a performance art, uh, not like. Uh, musicians and others I, I, I would love to clear about it sorry I mean I don't really identify as a performance artist myself and for me like yes like I do I, I guess like technically you can call like yeah live coding for sure like that is a live performance and and the live experience is something that's like very very integral to my practice like real-time interactivity immersive um, you know yeah, experiential work. Uh, like, I, I don't really, like, are you asking me, like, like how I'm contextualized this in a purely virtual space? She got down from the stage, but I'm uh, bringing her back up. Okay. Does anyone else have any questions? I mean, again, for me, like, you know, the most exciting thing is like just connecting different mediums, different, um, you know, um, disciplines and elements. And and it's the I, I like for me, like, again, like this, the ways like the collaborations can become like more integrated and in unprecedented ways is like what's really exciting for me. And I I don't need to be like the star of the show. I don't need to be considered, you know, like, um, yeah, like the, the main driver no, of the please, show. Itself. Please do not say, I mean, please, I, I would love to actually listen more about like your context while you are doing these experiences, while you are creating these experiences. Because while I was trying it, as I understand, you were already doing it, you know, from five years ago maybe so it's great to see that and i'm wondering also also you asked a question but i already missed that i'm sorry about it but also well i would love to a little bit listen about your contextual idea while doing it maybe i missed it in the in the beginning of this um space but also like do you have any special interest about the philosophy while you are doing it and others 
Yeah, I mean, philosophy like, is, is a broad it- topic for <laughs> sure. I mean, I've been making, I've been, I've been doing live performances, um, you know, experiential works. Uh, installation. That was actually how I got my start in generative art, and I've been doing that for over a decade now. So it's taken many forms, and it's kind of hard to summarize because I've just been doing it for so long. But I, I guess if I had to, um, you know, I, I don't know how much time we have left. I think I've already actually gone over the limit. But I mean, just, uh, yeah, like it, uh, it, it, the sense of wonder and, and, and dismantling or questioning a lot of the hierarchies and sort of false binaries between art, between technology, between the brain, between the heart, between like Eurocentrism and like cultures that are othered, et cetera, et cetera. It's uh, yeah, I'm gonna do the physical and digital. Like we already talked about it. I don't know if you had a chance mm-hmm. to hear that, but yeah, thank you so much for your question. No, thank you for sharing, Alida. And it is my last question. What are your limitations in while you are doing all of this at the same time? Uh, I mean, like we were actually just talking like uh, earlier about like how the mistakes are are something that like are actually like an integral part of my process. And so as far as limitations go, I mean, because I am a very much, you know, oftentimes othered artist in the space, which is why like, you know, making these mediums is and making the practice of um art making is as accessible as possible is very important to me is why I participate in a lot of open source communities and such. Uh, Yeah, I mean, but I think like if I, maybe I have an unwieldy sense regarding limitations because just there are so few solo women of color, large scale installation, generative artists who code on chain. Like it is like, it's a very, very specific space, put it to you that way. And so, but um, I know I make mistakes every day. Like, I mean, absolutely. And like, you know, all the fallibilities, but uh, you know, I, I think they actually like sort of push my practice into more enriching directions. So it's a paradox in the other day, like miss so many things. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that too. Well, I have lots of questions, but I won't take space. Also, it is recorded. So thank you for sharing. I hope um, we can talk more about it. Uh, but let me ask the last question. As a woman also in this space, do you feel seen and visible or how how many years it takes to be seen for you? Uh, do you mean like as far as uh, the generative art space? Yeah, I, I do feel seen. And it's um, important, I think, to note that, you know, like women, femme artists were... We were there since the beginning. I mean, like we were the first computers. And so the practice of it is also restorative in a way. And then it's uh, we're kind of reclaiming our history. And so in, in that sense, and, I, and there are so many people, so many other like, you know, people of all genders who are like working to expand and enrich and reclaim and restore the history. So I do feel seen in that sense. It, of course, is a challenge. But yeah. All right. Well, I wow. think that's all the time we have. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you so much, Jonathan, Seattle NFT Museum, for hosting. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for being a part of it. And thank you for everyone that was here and participated in it. Um, I have to ask you one more question, if you don't mind, just for the comic nerd in me. Of course. <laughs> Please. Um, so have you been looking into, like, into the Spider-Verse at all from the Sony animated series? 
Uh, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm kind of out of the loop. I did see some, yeah, some, some incredible Spider-Man animations. Are you talking about the film or like yeah. the series? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I have seen that. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. Just because I've, I've, uh, I've really have noticed at least with this film, um, people that didn't normally really like comics or didn't really like art about the comics would made it and like, cause you know, we know everything about like the art, the, the artist that illustrated it and like their style and you knew who who was the illustrator at that time because of it and now all of a sudden like because of this new movie people are that's that's in conversation now before it was just like you know what is the plot what is this now all of a sudden art is a part of that conversation because of the different i think they're choosing like six different uh illustration topics that like they're like styles that they're going with um, and they're all from different persons. So like, it, it really just resonates. And it's, for me, like, I'm geeking out about it, because I love it. Uh, I, I recognize the different, the different styles, and I'm all there for it. Um, and I just kind of wanted to pick your brain on it and see if you've acknowledged it and see if you think that maybe that will kind of have the same kind of narrative within NFTs, where like NFTs is just like, you know, they're just this, it's just that. And then all of a sudden, all it's going to be like a switch where everybody is just like, oh my God, but look at this or look at that and the contrast. Um, I mean, I know we resonate a lot from from the comic world and we get like all the different ideas from the different kind of canvas of a world that they build. Um, so I was just kind of like picking your brain up to see if any of that art has resonated with you, if you kind of had the same feelings that I have been having. Um Maybe it's just a reassurance for myself. So I know that I'm not completely geeking out, but just wanted to hear your thoughts. Well, I mean, like you definitely know more about this topic than I do. And I'm, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not so much a, a film buff and I absolutely consider animations to be, yeah, um, relegated to film. And so, and I do have friends who, who are film buffs who are, you know, like, People wouldn't normally think that they would be into a Spider-Man movie, but, you know, they were all, you know, raving about it. And so I, I trust their judgment. And as far as um, the, I guess, like the different styles you, you mentioned, like to, to create like one cohesive work. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, you could, you could almost sort of like apply a generative lens to that as well, because I think um, in some ways, like uh, there's there's a lot of pressure for artists, if, if, if this is relevant to your question, to kind of just um, be a brand and to churn out one single style. And so I'm just kind of freewheeling here, but um, I've been, I was thinking a lot about this lately in the ways in which um, generative art can be very liberating and, um, you know, like you can become, if not style agnostic, then at least uh, it lends itself to like so many different forms of experimentation. Like in the Spider-Man movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, I should revisit well, that. I need to refresh my memory. So thanks for the reminder. Yeah, yeah. And I would love to revisit that conversation because I, I would love to see how it resonated with you. Um, but honestly, I, I've had such a great time and, and great conversation with you today. And I want to thank you again for taking the time to... Um, make the time for the Seattle NFT Museum and, and be a part of our Twitter series. And thank you again to everyone that's been a part of this. If you guys haven't been and you guys are in the area, please come into the Seattle NFT Museum. You guys can check out the amazing work out in display um, for the Gen, Gen XX exhibition. And again, thank you so much for being a part of this. 
No, thank you so much. And, you know, it's a great honor to be featured with so many other artists that I've admired for so long. So really, thank you. This has been a delight. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you, truly. And uh, yeah, happy Friday. I hope everyone has a great rest of the day and tune in next week for the next series. Bye, everyone. <laughs> bye bye.